there's a patience that I think is required of every artist or every songwriter or anyone creating anything uh, subjective where you need to tend to these seedlings and I think you need to take care of them and baby them but also don't expect it to just be earth shattering and some lightning bolt to crash and tell you that you're on the right track it's it's so much about trusting your own instincts Here we are today with the incredible Maggie Rose. Maggie, so glad to have you on here. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you. So Maggie, to start this off, I want to go, go way back. And can you just talk to me about the original reason that you fell in love with music enough to like devote your life to it? Yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of cheesy and Pollyanna, but I saw at a really, really early age how much joy me singing brought people. You know, it was like this power that I had as a toddler and I could see adults reacting to, you know, my love of singing. And of course it brought me joy as well, but it also has this um, gathering effect. You know, it's like a herding uh, tool to bring people together. And, you know, that's pretty irresistible, especially when you can recognize it from, you know, as early as I can remember. So then, you know, fast forwarding, falling in love with music, you're, you're on a path to be a professional musician. And I don't, we don't talk about the pandemic a lot on this podcast, but I'm curious, like, for you to kind of take us into your world and, and what that, like, that was like to be blown up on the rise, you know, so much momentum, then, then all of a sudden you got to kind of slam on the brakes and like, kind of realign your identity as something other than a, than a touring musician for a period of time. Like, what was that like for you? You, that question, you just nailed it. There's a whole identity crisis because I, who I consider myself to be is so intrinsically tied to being a performer, being a touring musician, being a part of, you know, my community in Nashville and beyond. And you know, the first question you asked about what made me fall in love with music, it is the gathering. And then that was taken away. So without sounding uh, hyperbolic it was devastating you're like an exposed nerve and you can just see and feel all the suffering on a human level that was happening at that time too beyond just you know, not being able to do what I do for a living it was a really tumultuous time and people were I still think that the rhetoric right now is crazy and polarized but it was you know at an all-time high as far as intensity goes at that time and I just felt like you know, someone who tries to write songs and connect, it felt like a really scary place to put myself out there. And even though it was virtual during the pandemic. Can you talk to me about how, how you realigned your identity, you know, in a positive way, kind of during that period of time where, where you weren't that star on stage and just like, what kind of brought you peace? I think the opportunity presented itself to become more accessible, but in a different way, where you know, music had always been my bond with my listeners. And then this time came where, you know, I was letting my guard down more, I was letting people into my house and just kind of, I, I've never been someone who can just like talk to the camera during a live video or 
broadcast and that became something that I would try and do routinely just so that we had some consistency out there. Like you can expect a performance every Friday in an environment where everything else is unexpected or unreliable. Um, so I felt like at least I met the moment there in interacting with people differently than I had before. And the pandemic was the catalyst that made me do that because, you know, I was forced to do it and I was forced out of my comfort zone to, um, you know, kind of drop, drop my boundaries a little bit. You mentioned, you know, the gathering and, and how that's just such an incredible, obviously element of the live music experience, but, you know, aside from that and aside from, you know, those moments on stage that are obviously unforgettable, like, can you talk to me about what some of your favorite parts of getting to be a professional musician are? I love uh, just getting to work with other musicians. I love that moment where everything starts coming together. You know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So especially in an environment where you can improvise and there's this unspoken communication between the fellow musicians on stage and something beautiful happens like it's just this feeling of letting go that you don't get to experience in many other scenarios so being a live musician it gives you that opportunity to just rise to the occasion but be creative and and uh, dare to suck I guess and then when it comes together it's awesome I love it I love it it's very exhilarating. Even when it doesn't come together, like as an audience member or someone on stage, there's something that's so in the moment about that. And you're like, God, that's so human. You know, they almost got it. They're going for this. So. Amen. Amen. Special shout out to all the jam banders and jazz cats <laughs> out there. Yeah. It's exhilarating. I got this. This is my mug right now. I saw that. Shout out to this guy What's up, too. Jerry? Yeah. So I want to jump to the Fillmore. Sorry to jump in. You showed me Jerry. We played the Fillmore at the end of last year with the Almond Family Revival, which was so fun for me because it was a bit of a divergence from what I typically do. I wasn't with my own band, but I was with this stellar all-star band playing one of the most famous jam band, I'm saying in quotes, uh, catalogs every night and like I was so on my toes because every night was a little bit different. Um, and we played at theaters like the Fillmore that Grateful Dead made famous and the Allman Brothers. And like, there's this whole culture that persists and uh, it just was like the most loving crowd. And I feel like started with geniuses like that guy who could have followed the rules and stayed within the template of like a pop music career, but it's the stuff of legend now. It's like, that's what makes you want to be there in the audience. And that's the kind of music that I love. And I love a great pop song. There's so few things now in life and entertainment in general that require your, all your attention in that space. And, you know, I credit, credit Jerry and, and the people like him. I know this is an auditory medium, but yeah, you held up a mug of Jerry. This Garcia will be published in video. This will okay. be published All in right. video. Yes. No. Disclaimer. <laughs> my mug has a big old Jerry Garcia sticker on it. 
Yeah. Anyways, anyways, jumping to the side, I, I'd love to just dive into songwriting with you. You know, it's, yeah. I feel like there's so many angles we could unpack it from. And I think the good, a good place to start would just be, what do you think are some of the most important qualities for a successful songwriter to have? You need to be observant. And that is something that is really hard to uh, maintain constantly. And it's not just when you're sitting down to write a song. It's like when you're just walking through life, I think you need to be paying attention to everything that's going on and being able to zoom out from like your own experience. And uh, I also think that it's about, you know, knowing when to commit. Like if you have a creative window, take advantage of it. But I'm trying really hard this year to not feel guilty if I want to walk away from a song that's just not up to my standards. Because I think in Nashville in particular, there's this nine to five mentality about songwriting. And it's like, if you didn't materialize a song in that session, then it's a failure. But I really want to make sure that I'm honing in on great songs. You know, that whole concept of quality over quantity. Um, so like just being honest with yourself, being kind to yourself too. I don't want to feel guilty uh, or obligated because the moment wasn't right to foster that idea in that scheduled time. For sure. I'd love to hear you. I'd love to hear you expand on that and like talk to me more about <laughs> really what are some of the biggest challenges for you with songwriting? I think it's just how elusive it is and how, you know, there aren't fireworks that shoot off when you've completed a song. Like sometimes you don't know what a gem you have. And uh, it, there's a patience that I think is required of every artist or every songwriter, or anyone creating anything uh, subjective where you, you, need to tend to these seedlings. And I think you need to take care of them and baby them, but also don't expect it to just, you know, be earth shattering and some lightning bolt to crash and tell you that you're on the right track. It's, it's so much about trusting your own instincts. And I do a lot of co-writing too. So it's this really beautiful dance that you have to do with the other person or people in the room where you know you want to encourage them to be forthcoming. It's an extremely vulnerable practice, but it's also a really good validator when you are writing about something emotional and you can connect with this other person. It's like, well, this is probably going to connect with my audience members who I don't necessarily know personally, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to connect with them and have them connect with their fellow audience members because of this idea. Hmm. So for anyone out there listening who may, you know, be dabbling in music or they maybe they they've written a song and they crumpled it up and threw it in the trash four years ago. Like what what advice could you share about someone who's just like about getting started with songwriting? I would say don't be precious with it. Um, it's although I could say in the same terms, be extremely precious with it in the sense that, you know, take it seriously and write, write truthful things that are maybe scary to write, but 
you know, write a lot, write a lot of ideas. And um, not everything is going to go on your record. And maybe not every song is going to be one that you want to go to the bar and immediately play after you wrote it. I have songs that I wrote from a place, a specific experience that have over the years evolved and taken on an entirely new meaning. And I guess that's what I mean by don't be precious with it and don't try and dictate someone else's understanding of what you're writing. Make sure that you're writing it for yourself and then it's of a quality that you can be proud of and it's a truth or it's telling a story that conveys a message that you want to put out there but know that everyone's going to hear it and interpret it in their own way and that's a beautiful thing hopefully they can attribute it to their life and make it fit with what they're going through hi i'm katie producer of weird music podcast i want to give a big shout out to voodoo ranger <laughs> live rangerously well, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. Just want to let y'all know we've got these hand-dyed, ice-dyed Weird Music Podcast hoodies and also tees. If you'd like one, let us know. We'd love to get you one. And a big thank you to the geniuses over at Thrax CBD for sponsoring us with their amazing products. Also want to give a big thank you to J&J Distribution, Ohio's premier Delta 8 and CBD wholesale supplier. Retailers, check out their brands Cloud 8, Compassionate Buds, and Zaza. Got links in the description. And yeah, much love, y'all. Now back to the episode. Can you, can you share any advice about being more vulnerable as a songwriter? Yes. Uh, you know, there's a few songs out there that I think actually capture that feeling really, really well. Um, you know, that one song that says, keep on dreaming, even if it breaks your heart. And it talks about you know, this young kid falling in love with music. And, you know, I've lost bandmates who you know I still love but like you can feel just like like people need to go live their lives and do whatever but like your heart is broken and then you you press on you think that the unthinkable uh if that happens everything will topple over and then it happens and you still want to do what you're doing and be creative like that's a pretty beautiful love affair with music so, I mean, I guess I just, uh, I would say that your question was like, how do you just go get into it and, and not become entirely intimidated by the process, but like being vulnerable is, is what's so hard about it. That's what makes it something that not everyone wants to do when they start to get into it. Do you feel yourself like walking on a tightrope between being vulnerable, but then also kind of like being contrived and like being careful with whatever side of that you're on? Like, is, is that something that you face? I can't really anymore. I definitely feel like I have been in that position and my music suffers because of it. And I suffer because of it. I, you know, I lose sleep and I get anxious and there is like when it comes to my music and what I like how I produce it and put it together there is uh, intention I don't think it's contrived but it is a weird climate right now to just say what you think and feel like people aren't going to 
you know, discredit all of your work if you disagree with their views. And that's why I love, you know, podcasting because it's more of a long form and it's a conversation that ebbs and flows and has gray areas and uh, songs have so much gray area too. So that I find comfort in firing off a tweet with like some politically charged view because I'm pissed off at what's going on might feel good in the moment, but it's never how I want to engage and like start a rapport with people. So mm. that's the tightrope that I feel like we're all walking right now. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we talk, whenever we have somebody who's who's an improvisational like guitar player or something like that, we'll, we'll kind of get into the, the realms of how nuances of improvisation also apply to just like real life in general. And, and I feel like what you're talking about with songwriting also like, these are principles that that completely apply to just like being a human being almost like whether or not you have a mask on and walls up or you know what your intention is and in all the gray area totally which, yeah. which is why I think it's so interesting to like unpack this and it's like I even as I'm saying aloud these answers to you I'm kind of working through you know, my own interpretation of it like the person who's jamming on stage and you know like these guitar heroes, they have to be deferential to the person on stage with them. They also have to have the confidence to carry off something really wonderful and musical and make the audience feel like they're in good hands. You know, no one wants to watch a timid performer. That's why there is the bravado. And sometimes there's the facade of like, I'm the shit. And like, here I am because we want our audience to know we're capable and, and we're not going to let you down. But then you can cross over to coming off as a narcissist. And the same thing in a writing room, you know, I want to gently massage the vibe of the room and make sure that people start feeling like they can be forthcoming and uh, they can throw out a line that sucks and we move on. I can do it too. But, um, you know, I also want to get across what I want to be said in the song. And I also want to make sure that, you know, I'm firm enough to not let it get away from me so there's just like a it is about being a human being you want to feel like a safe place to be creative on stage and in the writing room and it takes kind of a gentle strength and uh, listening listening mm -hmm. is such a such a powerful thing you can do it and it's really hard to do I see you have this Bill Withers sign above your shoulder oh yeah Oh yeah. That's an original you, poster from- No way. Uh, yes, so during the pandemic, um, you know, I have also like a ton of records behind me and a bunch on the floor too. But my husband and I were just like, we'd have like a vinyl party almost every night. We were trying to you know, make, make it feel like, okay, tonight we're going out to the record room because we couldn't leave our house. And I fell in love with the Live at Carnegie Hall record um that bill withers did like i had i had been familiar with it but i became like, intimately involved with that record um which sounds kind of dirty in the wrong context but <laughs> i he passed away and you know, just all things bill withers were so appealing to me but i wanted to recreate that whole record and so we were able to get the band together and do a live stream and record that whole recreation of the live at Carnegie Hall, Bill Withers album. And I invited all these 
guests who are friends of mine and um you know this was right after George Floyd was murdered and we were trying to benefit music cares and black owned businesses and especially with Bill Withers being our focal point and someone found me that poster from the actual event so it's very special to me because that was such a big moment of like re-emerging and trying to take on something that was really challenging like that band that he played with that night was so good and it kind of made all of us feel the nerves again that we would feel from a big live show because we were taking on something that wasn't our own and we didn't feel like promoting our own music at that time but we still wanted to keep our chops up and you know, get together and make music but yeah i love that guy love that guy I want to so going a little deeper down the you know the Bill Withers rabbit hole timeless music some of the best songs to ever have been written can you talk to me like just from your subjective two cents like what you think are some common qualities some commonalities between you know these timeless songs that will live forever in history like like some of Bill Withers songs yeah like grandma's hands I was at um an event last night for the Nashville Grammy nominees and Tommy Sims, who wrote one of the greatest songs, Change the World, also covered Grandma's Hands. And then a spoken word artist came up and started talking about her grandmother and this patent leather purse. And like, we all have that person that we love, but like Tommy Sims and this woman couldn't have looked more different, couldn't have been from more different backgrounds, but they were on stage collaborating on that tune. I digress to say that it's finding those stories that are undeniable. And Bill Withers, sonically, you know, he kind of didn't make music in the last years of his life, last decades of his life, because where the industry was going and, and shifting away from organic elements and live band sounds, it wasn't for him. And the man had principles and he just was like, you know, I don't want to make music with a drum machine right now. Nothing against drum machines, but he knew who he was. And my favorite artists tend to also have a very firm grasp on you know, who they are and where they wanna fall on the spectrum. And I'm sure if he had evolved and, and you know, made popular music during the time where it was becoming more 80s and pop, he would have found a way to do it brilliantly. But you also have to know like what seasons of your life are going to be the creative ones. And that will yield uh, songs that I think are, are going to still click with people and resonate today. Like Carol King's Tapestry is 50 something years old. And I still think that you know, all those songs would be appreciated by audiences young and old today. And they are. Hmm. So Coming back to, you know, Maggie Rose, what do you feel like from your perspective? How do you feel like you stand apart from, you know, the majority of songwriters and artists out there? I, I mean, I am inspired by people around me that live in Nashville so much to the point where, you know, it, it keeps me motivated and it keeps me engaged. It keeps me full of wonder and it keeps me from ever becoming jaded because 
what does jade me is knowing that like this person who lives down the street is phenomenal and probably not getting the attention that they deserve on a large scale but there's there's still creating all around us so staying motivated staying engaged is something that i have been very proud that i've maintained and hopefully inspire others to do the same but i also feel like my music lives and can exist in so many different spaces i mean i play the grand Ole opry often but i also played bonnaroo last year and playing echo land and i've opened for kelly clarkson but i've also opened for kingfish who's a great blues guitar player and it makes sense in all of these settings i'm not angling to like exist everywhere but there is something about this music that you know is soulful and malleable enough that it connects with a lot of different people and that's something that i didn't really allow myself to do in the beginning of my career it was very this is the template this is how we do things in nashville and you're going to release music to country radio and you know it was very singular and uh, i am very singular in my focus about making good music but i going to sing to any audience that wants to hear it and it's a pretty versatile group of people i feel like i feel like that's something with specifically like major record labels from like the <clears throat> 80s 90s to to kind of falling off with streaming services and spotify's enabled you know spotify has also completely ruined the economics of selling music but it's made genre <laughs> this kind of like blended thing where where you oh, yeah. don't have to just fit into a box yes i think the consumer is driving what's relevant is it oversaturated absolutely there's more songs released in one year to spotify these days than there were released in like all of the 70s there's some crazy statistic like that which makes it you know it's a little discouraging as someone who makes music because you're just like so saturated but also that's so good that it is accessible to so many people and that you know someone who's making their playlist at home can curate a set list that's comprised of like wildly different songs i mean i hate that uh, napster and limewire did what they did to the industry i truly do but you know back in the day i remember burning that cd and making it for a long road trip and just feeling like this ownership like this is my taste and th this is the song like the playlist that you know i love that's unique to me and people are feeling an ownership over what they like not because their favorite radio station played those songs it's because they discovered them so i think that makes for more avid fans too hmm. i'd love to hear your take on darkness and art and how you think ultimately that can just be like a beautiful thing. I think like anything in life, we can use all these sometimes harmful means to avoid things that are hard to confront. And, you know, that's you know, drinking too much drugs, just avoidance in general. Um, and it's just so combustible. I think that's all, you know, a ticking time bomb. So 
using music as an outlet to visit those things, kind of put them in their box, um, say, hey, is anyone else feeling this out there? Like, you know, you're not alone in the world. And as healing as it is for me to like write a song about these uh, dark experiences or feelings, it's a containment of sorts. I put them in that song. I've sort of, you know, confronted those demons and then someone else out there who feels like they're walking alone is gonna hear that and be soothed by it. I would hope, you know, and there, that's the hope that comes from that and, and just the exercise of doing it is a reason to keep doing it again and again. I love it. I love that. Hell yeah. Well, starting to wrap up here, everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in. Definitely check out Maggie Rose on, on streaming platforms, on tour. We got links in the description below. Definitely check those out. And yeah, Maggie, just a couple more questions for you here as we're wrapping up, but thank you so much for joining me here and taking the time. Thanks for your time. And I appreciate all your questions. Jumping off of the last one, like, what do you think it is about tension specifically and and even looking at this from the perspective of a guitar solo like what do you think it is about tension that can lead to such a profound experience oh it's the release i mean it's the longer that you feel that tension building up i mean any like i'm thinking of the moment the glow sticks go in the air that's what tension does more glow sticks are gonna fly when there's been tension building for longer you know mm. what i'm talking about mm -hmm. and and glow sticks are also like uh there's <laughs> neurotransmitter glow sticks also i feel like I, there's some crazy juju going on with with what tension and release does to our brains like do you we're ever think about that we're anti-fragile beings i mean the more uh discomfort we're met with the stronger we get i mean we are fortified by challenge especially the ones that we overcome. So tension is a little in music. I think it's presenting that kind of challenge that we're all going to get through together. I love that. I love that. So zooming out, how yeah. would you sum up your musical philosophy? Mm. Oh, you come in with them now. Okay. Um, I would say, well, first of all, can't think of something else I would rather do. Even when I'm bitching about, you know, this or that, the struggles that I have within music are a privilege to have. Like, oh, they won't, maybe they don't like the song or like you know, it's oversaturated or, or whatever. It is a luxury that I get to be creative. And, you know, I'm eating every day. I'm playing with people that I love. I think, your audience is super smart and they're going to tell if you can't love it. So it just comes from totally dedicating yourself to it. And also knowing that it's a means of communication and it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be healing. And it's so much bigger than me as an individual. So that's my philosophy about music and just my career in general. And it makes it so much less daunting, you know? Yeah, I'm doing this, but so are so many other talented people. And I'm just happy to be you know, in the mix and I'm gonna do it as well as I can for as long as I can. Um, but it's all part of a bigger conversation. 
I love that perspective. That is very refreshing, especially to for me to remind myself about, you know, all my problems that there's only solutions and whatever's on our plate, you know, it, it, it's just something to be grateful for. Well, yeah. And your problems are valid and you should write about them in your songs and you should live your, your experience fully. But, you know, you, you were saying what's your philosophy about music and, you know, I'm just like a little part of a huge, huge tapestry of something that's been connecting humans for as long as we've been around. And uh, it's, it's such an ego-driven uh, pursuit. And trust me, I'm very fallible when it comes to this. I'm not Gandhi. Like I get way in my head. I get self-absorbed. I get self-doubt is even a form of uh, narcissism. All those things happen. But the way that I've just been able to keep doing it, I've been in Nashville for 15 years now is just knowing that there's still music left in me and there will always be just got to make it I love it I love it this has been amazing Maggie thank you so much like for leading into these questions absolutely this is my I love the questions I feel like I figured some stuff out too (laughs) just questions that you're asking I'm like I'm gonna work through this answer in real time with you Mm. but it's always good asking yourself these questions routinely and checking in with oneself is what every human should do definitely what every artist should do um so i appreciate you for prompting me with them my my pleasure my Mm. pleasure well maggie rose last question for you as we're wrapping up here i love asking this one if if there's one takeaway or mantra or or lesson or or piece of advice that you know, it could be taken from your story, your journey, everything you've been through, where you're at now. What what would you say that would be? Don't underestimate anyone, including yourself. Hmm. Maggie Rose. And I think, you know, put, we'll put it on a bumper sticker, okay? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hell I think yeah. the last part's the hardest part, is underestimating yourself, but... Don't do it.